0: You're listening to the Sermon Cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. And now for this week's sermon. Sunday morning is my favorite time of the week. <laughs> Mom went into her son and she said, Hey, you got to get up. It's time for church. I don't feel like going today, he replied. She said, Well, you have to go. You don't have a choice. He said, I just don't feel like it. And she said, Well, you have to go. You're the pastor. <laughs> the message today title is The Arena of Your Conflict. <laughs> And the rules of engagement, can you? Is is so funny? It just, uh, God has a uh, God has such a sense of humor, and I don't sweat the little things. When you get to be as old as I have, you realize there are just some things that are just not worth the effort of uh, getting upset about. Before I go on in it, is there anybody here that wrestled in high school? two big guys in the church. Three. I got one over there more my size. Okay. Please stand by, Howard. This is totally, it's not spontaneous. I know what's going to happen, but if you work with me, we'll get through this. How good were you? Perfect. He's shaking his head. Um, I want you to go to romans eight thirty one through thirty nine we 'll read a little bit of scripture <laughs> romans eight thirty one now just a real quick backdrop uh, so since i 've been here or since susan and i have been here we 've been primarily what i 've been doing on sunday mornings is just talking to you teaching preaching whatever you want to call it been focusing primarily on the singular topic of the reality of the supernatural realm in the believer's life in the, in the, in the follow of Christ's life and <clears throat> I didn't I haven't been doing that all this time just for this message but I will say this that without this, this period of time as a backdrop and preparation this message is difficult not to understand or whatever it's difficult to kind of see the application and how it can work and fit within your life but I felt specifically um, kind of directed by the Holy Spirit to be going in the, in the direction we're going, because I believe that God has something in store for this church that is remarkable. I was going to read you a, a testimony from uh, Asbury College, and I'm just not going to take the time to do that, maybe next week or so. But we're in the middle of a tremendous move of God that is happening, not just at a single college in our country, but it's spreading. It's spreading across campuses, it's spreading in, in different churches, it's spreading outside of the church, and it is one of the most exciting things for me that uh, uh, these are exciting days to be alive, not just be a preacher, but to be alive and be a believer. So with that, as an intro, Romans eight thirty one says this, what then shall we say to these things? That's what we're going to talk about a little bit. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That is a powerful couple of verses, isn't it? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Remember last week we started out, uh, it, it was the first part of this message, <clears throat> and we started in the book of Job, and we saw where Satan came before God, the Father, and uh, was basically, said I, and God said, where have you been? He said, I've been out roaming to and fro around the world in his atmosphere, in his place of dominion, the first heaven, and, uh, and then God said, have you considered my, my servant Job? And, God's, and, Job, or and Satan said, well, I haven't, in essence, he said, paraphrase. he said, no, because you put such a hedge of protection around his life. And so we talked about the hedge of protection last week. And so who shall bring a charge against God's elect? That's Paul's um, asking this question. And he said, it is God who justifies. In a few weeks, we're going to be talking about the doctrine of justification on a Wednesday night. It's going to be very good. You need to be here if you can. Verse 34, uh, who is he who condemns. It is Christ who died and the furthermore is also risen. Who is at, even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. It is written for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded. Say, I'm persuaded. I'm hoping by the end of this message, I know you already are, but um, uh, I'm hoping by the end of this, you're going to even be more persuaded than ever, that neither death nor death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, remember that one, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Say, thank you for the word of God. I want you to turn over real quickly to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. If you've been here, probably not, doesn't take too long, you will know that Ephesians chapter 6 is one of my favorite chapters. I've used it on a number of occasions so far. 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And so last week we talked about putting on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle, everybody say wrestle, against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So what I want to talk to you about today is your arena of conflict and the rules of engagement. Now, there were several guys that raised their hand that said they wrestled in high school. Uh, I picked the smallest one, totally spontaneously, because I'm a very wise and, and smart individual for what I'm getting ready to do. And it just so happened Howard, Howard got selected. So Howard, I want you to come on up, because um, in wrestling, there's, there's two types of wrestling. And I believe Paul very specifically used this word strategically for reason. There's freestyle wrestling, which every high school goes through. That's what I was involved in within high school. And there, there's Roman Greco wrestling. That'd probably be well, collegiate levels and professional levels. That's more the, the style that they use. Um, But, I don't know, 500 years before Jesus, Roman Greco wrestling was like the sport of of the world at that day. Every citizen of Rome knew about it. The Jews knew about it. Paul knew about it. That's why he chose to use this, this analogy of what we're involved in, in the spirit. So I'm not going to go into a background or into the rules of wrestling, but I will say that in wrestling there are certain there are certain things that have to be maintained in order for it to be sanctioned. Number one, in order for it be the match to be done properly, uh, and we'll get into a couple of those in a little bit. But there are certain penalties if you do things wrong, and then there are certain points if you that you gain if you do things right. Um, so in wrestling. Let me see. How are you doing physically? Not too good today. Oh, good. I chose correctly. Let's move this thing to the back. <laughs> I'm just kidding around. So, um, when you're getting ready to be in a wrestling match with somebody, take it easy on. You. We're not going to the ground. You know that. Where this is this is just all this is all fun and all this kind of thing. You love me, right? You've got a look in your eye that I haven't seen before, Howard. I, uh, yeah, that's where I'm a little concerned about. Uh, the thing about wrestling that is so uncomfortable in the spiritual dynamic, we're talking about the spirit. We're, we're, this is just a little physical thing we're going to do to illustrate a spiritual point. Remember that. Spiritual point, not a physical point. Uh, wrestling is uncomfortably close. It's not us being a sniper at a thousand yards. No wrestling's close. That's why it's so uncomfortable. Because it is uncomfortable being close to your enemy. You're not my enemy, you're my friend, right? Yes. But your opponent. <laughs> so let's take let's take the neutral position. Okay? The neutral position, you're in a, you're in an arena, you can only, you have to stay within on the mat, and I haven't, this is totally spontaneous, I haven't given Howard any, any prep at all in it, so the neutral position is where you face off with each other, you kind of go a little bit low, and you'll put your hands down, (laughs) that's, that's what evolved out of Roman Greco uh, (laughs) wrestling, was boxing, we're not going that far ahead, okay? okay, and, uh, But in a wrestling match, before the match starts, I mean, you're close. You're eye to eye. You're looking at your opponent. Already I'm trying to pick out his weaknesses, and he doesn't have any. It's concerning to me. But you stay as low as you can. The ref will get the start. And then you come in direct physical contact, and you're looking that's very good, thank you. I didn't. I didn't know if I was going to land up over there. If you made a quick move, just stay here. Um, but as you stay within the ring, each opponent is looking for an advantage, and if you are distracted in the midst of that match, you will end up losing points. Wow. But here's one of the here's one of the things that that I wanted to do this about and bring it to. Uh, this first point is that because it's such a physical thing, it's a one on one thing. Yeah, the coaches can be there and they can give you pointers. Uh, your girlfriend might be in the stands saying, I know you can get him, baby. And, uh, and all that kind of thing. Your friends are just, you know, mocking you, doing whatever. But wrestling, you have to stay engaged. If you continually try to avoid or back off, you get a passivity penalty. And when you are penalized in a wrestling match for being passive, you're not in a neutral position now. They put you in a very vulnerable position. And I think this microphone will work. But if it doesn't, I will might get ready to hit the mute button if it feeds back. So say... Howard was just after me like a wolf. Like, the, yeah, that's it. And I'm just, I'm, I'm scared, I'm uncomfortable, so I keep trying to, to move and dodge. I don't want to engage. Every time he comes at me, I try to do a slip or something like that. But if the ref at some point says, Gilnet, you're not engaged in the battle. What happens is, down on the mat. Oh, wow. Not on my hands and knees, passivity you're on the mat, and then your opponent takes the upper position. The most vulnerable position, the most vo- the, the worst penalty to get, besides punching in wrestling, uh, is um, a passivity call. Because it puts the opponent, wow. the ref puts the opponent in the absolute dominant position. And then you gotta you gotta you gotta battle on your hands trying to survive that. Thanks, Howard, for being a good support. I appreciate it. Yay. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think in light of what Paul's talking about that we wrestle not Paul is the one who introduced this whole idea and concept of wrestling into where we're going today is that in the American church I think there's a lot of passivity calls penalties that are being applied to well-meaning Good people, good Christians, good folks that are, that are trying to do their best. And in our Western culture in particular, what causes us to be passive? A lot of time it's nothing more than just distraction. It's not because you have something wrong with your, with your heart or your motivation or anything like that. Those things can always uh, play in and be a factor. But it's just you get distracted. And when you're in a wrestling match, uh, the last thing you want to do is get distracted. And so the arena of your conflict is, you have to stay focused. You have to stay engaged in what's going on. And so the reality and the nature of your hedge of protection was described in Romans uh, 8, where we read. We come over to Ephesians 6. Last week, we talked about putting on the full armor of God, hopefully. Uh, if you've been going through any type of, of uh, opposition in your life, stuff that you've been struggling with, dear one, please begin to realize that at the very core of it, at the very heart of it, it's not flesh and blood, it's not a boss, it's not a relative, it's not a spouse, it's not a child, it's not your neighbor, it's, it's nothing like It's a spiritual thing that is actually opposing you. And you're in a wrestling match. The problem is that so many people they're in those type of opposition type setting in their life and they don't realize it's a wrestling match in the spiritual realm. Because the first thing to do is try to blame somebody for it. The next thing to do is try to ignore it or you don't even know that you're in something and yet the enemy is, is doing his very best to take you down and take you out. And so Paul is dealing with this and he's, he's interjecting this into this whole armor of God idea. So I'm going to give you um, four quick things that he goes through here. I'm not going to focus on them, but I am going to give you at least definition for them. And this isn't a political message. This isn't a message about the government, plus or minus. It's just that these are the definitions as we go through. And so Paul said that, um, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities, so there's one principalities against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, or this age of darkness is another way that can be translated, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Um, the uh, let's let's jump down uh let's go to our first point, principality, four types of enemies uh Michael. I'm going to jump past that part that is there. Principalities top ranking demonic beings are called principalities in the Bible uh, last Wednesday there were, we, we did a little class on the um, on the deity of Christ, and in that it was brought up this uh, this this setting out of Daniel, whereas Daniel began to pray uh, Finally, the angel of the Lord showed up in Daniel's life, said, From the moment you started praying, I was sent to bring you an answer. But the prince of Persia opposed me, delayed me for 21 days. That's what this is talking about. Those are principalities. They're very real. They're very dominant. Or they try to be very dominant. The um, um, they, we, you know, I can go through and we can look at regions, we can look at our country, we can look around the world. And, and it doesn't take too much looking into. And you can kind of begin to identify, identify certain principalities. That is, areas where demonic forces are trying to steal, kill, and destroy what's going on there. The next one is powers. These are the enemies delegated, uh, the enemy or Satan's delegated authorities operating in national governments and governmental centers. Oftentimes, the enemy has us so distracted, life has us so distracted, that we're just focusing on surviving in our little wrestling match, not realizing that the enemy is trying, is, he's the prince in the power of the air, and he's trying to, uh, bring things into our, our experience of life, where we live, that, uh, would, would cause us to give up the fight of faith would cause us to just say you know what it, you know we're just going to take we're going to take a completely defensive position and hide out somewhere and um, not even try to engage in national governments and governmental centers their whole ministries based on dealing with this and I'm not getting into that uh, right now this morning. I'm just uh, giving you a definition where Paul said we're fighting against principalities and powers against rulers of the darkness. Rulers. This is the arrangement or order. This is what the enemy uses. This is what Satan uses. It's his plan to take hold of government for the sake of darkness and evil. Offices of government and legislators in the courts. Um, there, we, I, I noticed over the past 20 years this rulers of the darkness of this age. We've seen tremendous movement in our own country of trying to move our national um setting within our legislative session, within our legal session, uh, you know, government and courts to try and move it to its completely godless operation. What is that? It's just not because Christians aren't voting. No, it's because there are our uh, uh rulers in heavenly places trying to darkness upon our land. Spiritual hosts. The unclean spirits we deal with daily. Again, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Let me just list a, a few of those. Those spiritual hosts, these are these unclean spirits. Wickedness is paneria. It's where we get our, it's where we get our, our, our word um, pornography from. It's That's what wickedness is. It's an unclean spirit. Others that are mentioned in the New Testament are Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies, Abaddon, destroyer, and demon, the torment of the mind. Those are the things that you're wrestling against. Those are the things that are trying to come up close in your face and take you out. It is no wonder that, uh, you know, 20 years ago or whatever we started, we started having our children become very proficient in these devices. And now, uh, literally, uh, we know some people, and they're wonderful Christians, and this isn't a hit against uh, what I'm going to say at all. But, I mean, their two- and three-year-old are better at negotiating these devices than I am. And you all saw that happen this morning. Little Gavin could come in and figure it out quicker than I could have. And, uh, but what happens, by, especially in boys, by the time they hit puberty or their, their early teens, the the pornania that's available on these things begin to infiltrate into their lives and their minds. Well, how did that happen? Was that technology? No, that was, that was forces of wickedness in high places. And so he goes on and he said... That um, that we battle against these rulers, we battle against these things, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So, a couple of things that we need to understand in this battle is the place of battle. That it's in a heavenly realm. It's in a realm that's in the spiritual realm. It's in the supernatural realm. If you've ever had something you've been trying to deal with that you wish didn't have a stronghold or a place of influence in your life, and you've gone through the cycle of you give your very best, you do your very hardest, you do whatever you can, and yet you find yourself continually falling back into it. Paul said he did that. Remember? He said, those things that I wish I did not do, he said, those are things I just keep finding I Drawing back. And those things that I know I should do, he said, those are the very things that I find I have difficulty dealing with. That's just humanity. That's why Jesus came. So there's, there's this battle, this place of battle. It's in the spirit. And the thing about the place of battle in the supernatural realm is the lighting is bad and the place is not natural. See, the devil loves to operate in darkness. So those areas that are secret or held out away from the light of the gospel and the and the presence of God, those are the that's the arena where the the devil loves to come against you at. Now I want you to go over to Joshua chapter five, verse thirteen. So that's some of the things that are going on. I mean, we could take a long time, go through, explain all that about why our world is the way that it is because the prince in the power of the air is doing everything he can to bring his influence of darkness and wickedness upon every human being on planet Earth. And the only ones who are able to have a place of safety from that are those that have accepted and submitted their lives to the lordship and rulership of Jesus Christ. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Outside of that you 're fighting an enemy that you 're totally mismatched against that is, he has been fighting human beings for thousands and thousands of years, and you 've been on the planet for maybe just a couple of decades or more you're mismatched you 're looking at things in the natural realm or the carnal realm, and you 're not realizing the the uh, uh, the the map that i 'm in is totally a spiritual supernatural realm so Joshua was the first leader to follow Moses. Moses, the deliverer that brought the uh, people of God out of Egypt. Y'all know most of the story, I'm sure. And now it's come, Joshua, or Moses reached the end of his days. The Lord took him and now Joshua is, is um, in this place. He's, he's become the leader of Israel. He's now uh, taken over from Moses. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now Joshua is the lead guy. And the first thing that happens is that he's up against an enemy that is far superior in a stronghold called Jericho. And so Joshua is out praying. Have you ever been faced with something that's so um, so bigger than you are that it just drives you to a place of prayer? That's not a bad place. It's a bad place if you decide you're not going to pray or seek the Lord in it. But hopefully when you're sensing any opposition in your life, that's the, that's the point that drives you to your knees. That's the point that drives you to fasting and prayer. That's the point that drives you to the Word of God. That's the point that drives you to the house of God. That's the point that drives you to the to the supernatural realm of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's what was happening in Joshua. Over in Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. So we're going to pick Joshua up here. And it came to pass... Um, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and he looked. So Joshua was, was looking at the city he had to, that was standing between him and the promise, standing be, between him and God's promise for his nation. And when he was standing there looking at Jericho, have you been looking at something that's been standing in your way in your life between uh, you and what you believe God has for you? If you're not now, you will. That always happens in life. You're never stagnant in your journey with the Lord. The Lord is always trying to take you higher, and the enemy is always there on the mat, ready to deflect you as much as possible. Joshua lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him uh, in the class Wednesday night. Um, this is this is. Um, it was talked about a little bit. This was a pre-incarnate. Visitation of Jesus. This is Jesus in the, in the Old Testament. And he's showing up with the man of God who was there leading the people of God. And he was, he was overmatched. That is, Joshua was overmatched. And so he saw this man standing and, and this man he looked at had his sword drawn in his hand. Remember Ephesians 6? Part of her armor is what? The sword of the Spirit, which is? The Word of God. Take it. Master it as best as you can. It's your offensive weapon. Jesus used it in his temptation, right? It is written. Anyway. Here, Joshua's uh, at this point. He sees this man standing in form with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, that uh, part right there makes me realize Joshua was not just a pushover. It doesn't say that Joshua was even armed at that point. It doesn't say that Joshua had a sword bearer by him. It appears that Joshua was alone and unarmed. And there's this this figure with a sword, and he walks up to him. I don't know that I would have done that, but in in, in when you're realizing you're in a battle, you'll be drawn to the things, to the place where you need to be. My point. So Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? I love verse 14. And so he, in your Bible, he, in verse 14, I'm sure is capitalized, right? Why? Because it's Jesus. Uh, He said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. One of the titles, one of the names of of Jesus, he's, he's the Captain of the Host. He's the He's the leader of the army of heaven, and He showed up here where Joshua needed Him at the at the most critical moment. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped Him, and He said to Him, "What does My Lord say to His servant?" Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, "Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy." And Joshua did so. I think that happened to Moses, didn't it? It did, when Moses was standing before the manifest presence of the Lord in the burning bush. You see, if you're going to be victorious in the supernatural realm, it it requires that you come into the presence of one who's greater than you are in in determining how the outcome of the battle will take place. And so Joshua's there, and in Ephesians 6, as I was going through those, those enemies, they sound daunting, they sound... Ominous. They are. They sound powerful. They are, in their own degree. But they are no match for the one that leads our army. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. They're no match for the one whose side we are on. And I find it interesting that that, um, uh, this pre-incarnate Jesus said to... uh, Or Joshua, when he asked, he said, Are you for me or are you for my adversaries? And he said, I'm not for either. I'm for the one who sent me. I'm for... Uh, the commander of the Lord's army. And are you for or against? He said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. I'm on God's side. You see, it's not him choosing what side he's on. It's not him choosing whether he's on your side or the other side. No, it's about you choosing, are you on his side? Come on, somebody. I'm on the side of the Lord. It's not my strength, it's his strength. It's not my victory, it's his victory. And so... Here we see the leader of, of of all the warfare against the world's evils. That's the point where I'm getting because it's very easy to get demonically focused, I guess. It's very easy to look at all the evil and all the bad and all the things that, that uh, are going wrong and not realize that you are a part of an army that knows no loss on any level. You are following a leader that has never had a defeat in his heart. Even when the enemy thought that he totally defeated the captain of the Lord's army and that he placed him in a tomb, he sealed it with a rock, he had the Romans seal that tomb up, and Satan sat back and said, we finally beat God's plan." not realizing what was getting ready to happen a couple days later. We're going to be celebrating that in just not very far in the future. That Easter came, Jesus came forth, the angel rolled the stone back, and he came out with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. That's the one that we that, that, that is the captain of our lives. So where are we going with this? I'm uh, wanting to believe that the Spirit of God will so impress upon your life that you're on the right team, you're on the right side, you're in the battle, but you're on the side of the victory on the battle. That instead of being beat down all the time by whether it be the news media, the political news, just the wickedness of the darkness of the day that we live in. But rather as believers, we walk, we walk in this life realizing that I'm victorious not because of me, but because of him. I'm victorious because I'm not asking God to be on my side. I'm saying, God, I'm on your side. Wherever you're going, that's where I'm going. Your people are my people, God. Your kingdom is my kingdom, Lord. I'm not asking you to bless what I'm doing. I'm asking you, Lord, make me a part of what you're doing. Come on, somebody. I want to be in the middle of what God is doing in the world that we live in. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on this, but I'm going to share just uh, the last couple minutes something that the Lord has been doing in our lives in literally the past month or two. And we've been talking about it. We've been announcing it. Some of you have been signing up for these various things, but I want to tell you what's been going on behind the scene in the spirit realm. It's been that the Lord's, uh, the captain of the Lord a- army is implementing a strategy that I would have never chosen for this church. I'm gonna to talk to the men's meeting Monday night, and I'm gonna ask them, I'm gonna invite them if they'll pray for me as as intercessors over, over my life. Because it was just a few weeks ago I began to realize, God, you're doing something. Number one, it's surprising to me what you're doing, because I would have never chosen this. I had a couple of ideas about what to do when I got here, but um, uh the Lord's doing something different. Hopefully, you're encouraged that I at least had a couple of ideas what to do when I got here. <laughs> Uh, this is a strategy that many pastors employ, uh, but I just, I haven't in the past, and I never thought about doing it here. But becoming connected and engaged in the secular community and the political community of, of the, of the place where you minister. It's usually not my thing. I don't consider myself particularly good at it. I have absolutely my own political beliefs, and, and, uh i i I vote the Bible, I stand for those things that are right and just and true, and those kind of things and um but I don't try to insert myself into that world, I try to pass through the flock of God. but it started a few weeks ago um when and I don't even know how it all happened we got but we i we we were made aware of and received an invitation to look into reading buddies and that 's a great thing it 's about the children and I love children and and, and all of that, and uh, not really realizing what was really happening behind that because i didn 't know anything about reading buddies. I figured it was a national program, probably run by a church or a Christian group or something like that it 's not at all. Reading buddies was formed by a retired businessman a very um, um, a, a very good man in this community in vancouver and and he started this uh, ministry, really, it, it 's program is what he would call it, and um, but he 's in circles that I would never be in, and this church or most churches would not, by virtue of the ministry of the church, find themselves in. but because we signed up for it, Susan and I said, Well, even if nobody else signs up we 'll sign up for it and go be a reading buddy. To our, not amazement, I, I know you folks well enough to realize, oh, they'll, they'll respond. Well, but to my amazement, what I found out a couple of weeks ago, or, or since last week, is that uh, more people responded to this church saying yes to that and become involved in it than any other church in town. I was, I was shocked. I just figured there's a lot bigger churches than us. But one thing that they don't have is a Susan, who's really... <laughs> has a supernatural ministry gift of cheerleading and that's her gift and uh and she cheerled it and you all signed up but because of that i get an unusual invitation a week ago hey will you come join me and it was this businessman anyway the invitation was would you come join me for a round of golf It's been a few years since I played golf, but i love playing golf. He gave me the name of the place to play golf, and it didn't mean anything to me, but it's the most exclusive private club in Vancouver, Royal Oaks. And um, he gave me the dress code. Okay. He asked, how good are you? I said, not very good. And uh, anyway, I show up, and... It's other prominent businessmen and political leaders from our community that I'm in playing golf with. I'm just pastor in this church, and for hours, it wasn't about golf. It was the questions coming: What do you think's happening? Why did you want to get involved in reading buddies? what's going on in our community? please tell us about your journey. How did you end up? I mean, I was shocked, literally shocked at the format. I thought it was about golf. It was nothing about golf. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, it wasn't about going hobnobbing in some exclusive club, but that was their world. that's not my world. That's their world and so. I quickly began, I was born at night, but not last night. I began to realize God's up to something here. And as I interface with with people in the building industry and politicians for a couple of hours, I literally, I didn't break down in front of them, but when I left, I broke down before the Lord and said, God, what are you you doing? Um, A couple of other things that have been happening in the Lord opening Doors for for us into realms that pastors usually don't get into, in the realms of finances. Not that we're getting financed, but we're uh, uh, been asked to be involved in, in 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 some of the business, not involved in the business, but re- relating to people in business. Really, evangelism in the business field is what it's really coming down to. I've got my hands full just trying to pass the church. I don't need to be in a business uh, that, that uh, totally is consuming. And invitations that I believe are forthcoming. And what I'm beginning to realize is that, God, we're involved in Ephesians 6. And it's not just me. It's us. Because it's not just, yeah, I might be the guy that goes. But it's really about what God's doing here with you folks. You see, this is happening because you've been here for all these decades doing what you're doing. And it's just the time and the season that we're in. The captain of the Lord's army is leading his, his army. It's, it's not about, oh, it's a pastor or this gift or that gift. It's really about timing and it's really about where, uh, the kingdom is heading. The kingdom is heading to a, a influential and dominant position in the culture. Not that it's going to take over the news or the, or the political field, but I believe with the revival that's coming upon the land right now, there is an influence of the Christian, that is going to be accelerated in the days ahead. Are you ready to be a part of that? See, it's not just about a pastor. It's not about me or any other one that would try to get up. And and it's really about God bringing you to a position to where you're the one, because you're the ones that are out there in the middle of it, in your own little realm, in your own world, in your own sphere of influence. But I'm going to tell you this: you need to get ready for whenever the Lord gives you an upgrade. You need to get ready for when the Lord puts you into a position that you never dreamed you would be in and that you realize and recognize, this is God doing this in my life, and then step into the arena, step into the mat, step onto the mat, and don't be afraid to go close face to face, even if it's an enemy out there. Now, this may come a surprise to you. I don't like being very close to people. I love y'all. My wife laughs at that. Because she says, You're, I don't know how you ever got in the ministry. It's not that I don't like people. I love people. But giving my own um, decision, uh, do I get really close or do I keep myself at, I'll always choose this. But the Lord always chooses. <laughs> Come on. Some of you are laughing. You know what I'm talking about. That's because you're in His kingdom and not your kingdom. That's because it's not about you, it's about Him. That's because He loves them more than you love them, but He's going to use you to show His love to them. Oh, I could go on and on and on about instances that happen. You have your own testimonies in that. But here's where I believe is getting ready to happen in this church. We're inviting a bunch of kids from the, from the um, uh, Boys and Girls Club. Do you know what happened when my wife went, not, there's a Boys and Girls Club just real close to the Safeway over here, but there's a number of them in the community. I have no idea about them, there's three of them in the community. When, when People's Church went and said, hey, we're having a little carnival, we want to invite you to come, we want to invite all the Boys and Girls Clubs, you know what happened in the leadership of Boys and Girls Club? They began to see something's happening. This is, this is, there's a church, people's church, that, that, uh, is having something. And so, when Susan said, we don't know whether there's gonna be two show up, or we don't know how many is going to show up, but something's going on, not in the children, but in the leadership of that. They're seeing something's happening in the church. There's about, the captain of the Lord's host has stood up and said, I'm not here for you, and I'm not here for them, I'm here for him. God loves the kids in the Boys and Girls Club of Vancouver and Clark County. I'm going to tell you that right now. I know it because I'm seeing what's happening. And so uh, that's just part of outreach. But really, it's not even about us outreaching. It's it's about the Lord has something in plan for those children. The Lord is doing something at a, not just the teenage level, but at the smaller preschool level. God's doing something right now in our community at that level. A businessman who needs, who made his way in life, needs, doesn't need to do anything, but what he wants to do, chose to start a ministry, reaching into the public schools to minister to kids who can't read. As I sat and listened to his heart, it just impacted me greatly. Gary, do you know what happens to a little boy or a little girl when they get into high school and they can't read very good? Do you know what happens when they try to get into college and they can't? They fall to the bottom. I'm believing God's going to help me to keep at least a couple of them from falling to the bottom. That's his heart. And I said, I'm in. I'll read to the eight-year-old. That's the best I can do. But I'm in. Are you in? The Lord's doing it. The captain of the Lord's army showed up. He's doing something great, um, Mike. My um, you're, not mine, but your pad went down. Uh, the I think it's I think it's out of Matthew. My last find it in the notes. It won't be the last one, but it'll be out of the Gospels. If you can find that verse and put it up there, I'm going to close with it. There we go. Right there. John 16.33, these things, this is Jesus, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. When you start talking about spiritual warfare, sometimes it freaks people out and they're just, this is the words of the captain of our army, this is the one we're following. He said, these things I have spoken to you that you may have peace. What's, what's Jesus' greatest plan for your life in the middle of turmoil or any other thing you're going through is that you would have peace. I spoke, Jesus said, I spoke these things so that you would have peace. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care how bad the battle looks. I don't care how close you are to that opponent, opponent in the ring and how, how aggressive he may be against you. I am here in your life so that you may have peace. Peace in the middle of turmoil is one of the greatest markers of that you are a follower of the captain of the Lord's army. He gives you peace in the middle of it. And he goes on and he said, in the world you will have tribulation. Do you have the little definition for that on that screen? Tribulation. Tribulations. Pressure. Pressing. Anything that burdens the spirit. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have pressure. You're going to have things that press in on you. You're going to have things that burden your spirit. He said, in the world, you're going to have that. And so if we try to say, oh man, uh, I'm I'm a follower of Jesus, and that means I'm not going to have any of that. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you're going to have that. Peter said, don't think it's strange concerning these fiery trials as though some strange thing has come upon you. You're in the wrestling match. You're in the ring. You've got an opponent. Be engaged. Be about it. Be ready to say, I through Christ I can do all things. He said, the pressure's going to be there. But he said, I've given you my peace. Peace. Joined with rest. That is, he, in the middle of battle, he's going, here's the thing is, it in a regular wrestling match, yeah, it's you against your opponent, you're wrestling, but in the wrestling match we're involved in, we have to show up, we have to get in the ring, we have to stare the enemy in the face, but Jesus is the one that strengthens us right in the middle of the battle. He enables us to overcome. As a matter of fact, he gives us rest when we're right in the middle of the fight. You want to know what scares an enemy? Is when he sees you don't sweat the battle that's coming up. That's What stresses the enemy out? He said, I'm going to give you peace. Join with rest. And then I'm going to make you overcome. Subdue. Prevail. If you're in the middle of anything that's bigger than you are, I'm going to ask us all to stand. Jesus is going to give you that ability and that anointing to overcome. To subdue the enemy and prevail. And it's not so that... It is so that you will be have a measure of victory in your life, and live in victory as a believer. But it's also the testimony of those who follow Christ that as we follow Jesus, he fights our battles for us. If you're fighting a battle this morning, and there is no shame or sin in fighting battles, none. If you're fighting a battle and you want prayer, I'm going to just open the altar and I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to take a few minutes and we're going to pray and we're going to dismiss the service. But I I want to pray for you, individually, specifically. I don't know how many will come, but I'm going to go down and pray for each one of you. If you're in something that's bigger than you are, you need a measure of victory to come in upon your circumstances. I want you to come. It's not me. Asking you, I'm believing the Holy Spirit. So if you're feeling, oh, should I or shouldn't I? Take a step of faith. Take a step and just step out and see what the Lord will do in your life. You're in the middle of something that's bigger than, than what you had the ability to, to take care of in your own strength. I want you to come. I'm going to give you just another moment or two, and then we're going to pray. You're in the middle of something that you're saying, in my best efforts, it's still bigger than I am. One of the ways to know that if it's there within your life is if you have great concern, if you have worry, if you have stress over it. Jesus said, I'll give you my peace, and I'm not going to give it to you like the world gives it to you. The world will give you peace by saying, I'm going to take care of the problem. Jesus' peace is that I'm going to be with you in the problem. It's a whole different deal. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Each of you in your own way, just begin to surrender yourself to the Lord right now and just maybe shut your eyes. Just say, here I am, Lord. <clears throat> Those that are standing there, would you reach your hands out over and let's just pray. And then I'm going to dismiss the service. And then I'm going to start praying with people here. If you want to join me in praying with people, please do. I welcome you to come. Father, I pray today that your word would go deep into our lives and into our hearts and into our minds today. God, it was, uh, it, I believe it was something that your spirit is speaking to this body right now, but at this moment you're speaking to individuals. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, you would minister in power, you would minister in deliverance, you would minister in setting free every area that is held in tension, And that, God, your peace and your rest would prevail and it would be what's upon the people when this thing is over this morning. I bless the people as they go and they're weak, that, Lord, they would be overcomers, they'd be more than conquerors. Lord, they're the head and not the tail, they're above and not beneath. So, Lord, I pray that your people would go and spread the good news of Jesus and share the light of the world with people. Be salt and light in the world that we live in that is so dark. Holy Spirit, guide our steps and order our our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Show yourself friendly. God bless you all. We'll see you Wednesday night. If you came forward, just stay right there. We're going to start praying for you. Hey, if you're a visitor, we've got a little visitor's pack for you, and I'd like to meet you before you leave. So if you wouldn't mind, just come on down, and we'll. uh, Susan has that for you. God bless you.